بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم Yeah, extra massage will be in the cabinets there, in the bathrooms. We are in Surah Al-Ahzab, Surah number 33, Ayah 36. A'udhu Billahi Rajim, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ وَمَنْ يَعْصِ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولَهُ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا مُبِينًا The previous ayah speaks about how both men and women in Islam Muslim men, Muslim women, believing men, believing women have uh, equal opportunity to procure success in the Akhirah through their deeds and through their actions and through their obedience to Allah and His will. The next uh, two ayahs speak about how to acquiesce to Allah's will, how to believe in Allah's will. How this is translated in your daily lives. One is the theory of submission. We all agree to that. And it's very easy to agree to a theory. But in everyday life, when it pertains to you, it becomes slightly more challenging. In theory we say, we submit to the will of Allah. But uh, God forbid... There's a situation in real life where it is not allowed for you to do something and then you fail to submit to the will of Allah. Okay. So that's not action now. That is either inaction or it is hypocrisy. One of the two. Both will not lead you to Jannah. So this uh, story which we will narrate to you, inshallah, hopefully in its long form, demonstrates the uh, need for Muslims to ask for Allah's fadl and to ask for Allah's tawfiq, that he gives them tawfiq to follow the Quran and Sunnah instead of just saying that as a slogan. We want to follow the book and sunnah we want to follow Islam, we want Islamic law, and we want Islamic Sharia. And then be careful what you ask for, because when it comes to your father, mother, and when it comes to your wife and your husband, when it comes to your children, you are the last person on the planet to follow the Quran. Right? So be careful how you present yourself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the beginning of the surah, there is a reference to not calling your adopted son as your real son. This is how the surah begins. So the Prophet ﷺ had, a, had an adopted son, Zayd bin Haritha. And he had a son, Usama bin Zayd. Usama was a very pious person. He was very close to the Prophet ﷺ. He treated him like his own grandson. Same with Zayd. Zayd was given to him by Khadija as a gift. And the Prophet ﷺ raised Zayd in his home. And people in Mecca saw Zayd as part of the family of the Prophet ﷺ, as part of the Ahli Bayt. And they treated the adopted son like a real legal Son in Islam, the adopted son does not inherit automatically because in reality he's not the son. In Islam, inheritance comes from blood ties, not from legal ties. Right? 
you may make a wasiyah in one-third of your wealth and bequest that from this one-third give this much to my legal adopted son or daughter, whatever the case may be. But that doesn't change reality. Reality is that there's no blood link between the two. So there is no relationship between the two biologically. And since there's no relationship biologically, the son now will become mahram. For whom? For the women in the house. Right? You understand what I'm yeah. Meaning, if the person who has adopted a son has a daughter, then that daughter may marry the adopted son because there's no blood link and they are both mahram for each other, to each other in the house, meaning they should be separated. And the rules of uh, mahram should be observed because there's no blood tie. If there's a blood tie, then they can't marry each other. Siblings can't marry each other. That's incest. You understand what I'm saying? Right? It's very clear. See, the biological reality is not to be overridden by the legal system. The legal system cannot change what is a haq, what is the reality in life and in nature. This is the way Islam sees the truth. So Zayd radiallahu anhu was the adopted son of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was not related to the Prophet sallallahu He was not his son in reality. He was part of the extended family and they lived together for as long as they lived and they separated afterwards. Zayd radiallahu anhu now was asked by the Prophet ﷺ to marry Zainab bint Jahash, who was a Qurayshite woman. And uh, through the suggestion, not the hukum or the command of the Prophet ﷺ, they got married. The Prophet ﷺ suggested that they get married. So they said, okay, we'll take on this mashwara and suggestion at face value, and we'll see. So they got married, and the one thing led to another. They didn't get along very well, and then uh, Zayd eventually ended up divorcing Zainab. Before he divorced Zainab, he came to the Prophet and said, what should I do? The Prophet said, reconcile, see if you can make it work, and don't divorce. That, again, was his suggestion not his command. The difference between the Prophet suggesting as advice and the Prophet commanding. The Prophet never commanded anyone in their personal affairs. Hands off. This is your private life. I can counsel you and suggest that you do this. And this is the way we should also treat each other. That we don't command and dictate upon others in their personal lives, in their private lives. It can only be a suggestion. It can be a recommendation can be your hukum. Uh, you are the dictator of the tribe. And I demand that you do this. That doesn't work. Prophet didn't do that. So he suggested to Zaid that he keeps Zainab and he does not divorce her. It didn't work out. Zaid then divorced Zainab. That was over. This part of the story is fine. Nobody has a problem with that. Okay? In the tribal system that was perpetuated by the Quraysh and in the tribal system at large throughout the peninsula, Arabs felt that the adopted son of anyone, if he marries somebody and divorces her, the divorced woman is haram upon the father of the adopted son. So they would say that Zainab is haram for the Prophet ﷺ to marry because he, she is the wife of the adopted son. One of the functions of a Nabi and understand this carefully outside of your, your, your American psyche. Right? 
Turn off your American psyche for a moment. Just turn it off. Now, understand where the Prophet is and what he is required to do as the law giver and the law maker. This is what these two ayat speak of. Don't try to understand it in your understanding of how American law works or how Western law works or what civilization does now. Understand it according to the context of the Quran. So, once this became a uh, unfortunate ritualistic fact in Arabia, and uh, Muslims also, because they're part of, they were part of that culture, they were part of that psyche, they were part of that civilization, the tribal civilization, okay, they needed to be reformed and corrected about this issue also, that the wife of an adopted son who is divorced uh, is not haram for the father who has adopted the son. This had to be implemented, executed. One of the functions of a Nabi, of a Prophet, is to show people what is halal and what is haram. Very important role. If the Prophet ﷺ did something, or affirmed it, or confirmed it, then it becomes part of the Islamic fabric of what is lawful and what is unlawful. So the Prophet's role is not just to simply guide by words, it's sometimes to lead by action. No matter how difficult it may be, no matter how unpleasing it may be, both to the Prophet and the community. When you talk about in American psychics and the PR, uh, the Hollywood syndrome, it's all make-believe. Muslims today, unfortunately, everything has to be make-believe. Show people Islam is good. How about that Islam is good, period. Instead of saying, show people Islam is good. Islam is good, period. That's why you believe in it, I hope. Not because you want to show others. There's no syndrome there. So, with the Nabi, the Nabi is sometimes required to do the most detestful thing to show people that it is halal. You understand what I'm saying? That because he is the uswa, as one of the ayat of the surah says, "Lakad kana lakum fi Rasulillah uswatan hasana." Indeed, in the Rasul of Allah, there is a beautiful, wonderful role model example in determining what is halal and what is haram. No matter how society looks at it and upon it, if it is halal, the Nabi will show people it is halal, and if it is haram the Nabi will tell people it is haram. That's his role as a law giver and a law maker. So here, there was this uh, disturbing uh, rumor yeah, and disturbing ideas uh, in the thoughts of especially the Quraysh that the Prophet ﷺ should not be able to approach Zainab for any reason concerning marriage because it is in the tribal system haram. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then instructed the Prophet to marry Zainab. To show people the truth that Zainab is not related to the Prophet any more than Zayd, the adopted son, is related to the Prophet It is not haram. And if you don't believe this, then we'll force, impose upon the Nabi to marry her, to show you. Right? This is the story. This is what happened. Now, in this construct, the way I'm explaining it, invariably, you're not going to marry somebody you don't like. Are you? I hope not. Right. Mutual consent is necessary. I'm happy and you're happy. Let's get married. So, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now saw that the Rasul and the Nabi is somewhat uh, intimidated by the whole issue and affair, 
that what will people say, then uh, that would have been another issue again for Zainab. Although she will marry the Prophet, which is the greatest name on earth for any woman, but she will still feel in her mind, in her psyche, that there's still some resentment. And that causes, as you know, whatever disturbances it causes. All of you know this. Right? Very sensitive issues. So, during this interim, after the idda of uh, Zainab, because when you divorce somebody, the, the wife, uh, the divorced wife, needs to spend time in her idda, uh, so that she is relieved of any uh, burden of carrying any baby, etc. So, after the idda uh, was, uh, was uh, after the idda expired, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed a liking in the heart of the Prophet ﷺ for Zainab. At that time, the Prophet ﷺ did not come to grasp with it. So he would constantly say, Subhana muqallib al-qulub. Subhana muqallib al-qulub. Subhana muqallib al-qulub. That glorified is the one who now converts hearts. Meaning, before this time, I had absolutely no desire to be with Zainab. I never thought of the idea. I didn't want the idea. In fact, if anything, I was running away from the idea. Now, all of a sudden, my heart is turned. Who turns hearts? Allah. He is muqallib al-qulub. He, he turns the emotions of people in the qulub. Bayna isba'ayn min asabi rahman yuqallibuha that the Prophet ﷺ said that hearts they are in between the two fingers of the Rahman and he turns them the way he wants to. So sometimes he'll turn hearts towards you and sometimes he'll repel hearts against you. That's his job. So here this time the Prophet ﷺ felt that his heart was turning towards Zainab. So he said, I, I don't understand this feeling, emotion because I don't have any need for that. So he would say, Subhana maqallib al-qulub. Allah is glorified that he is changing my heart towards Zainab. And then the marriage happened. When the marriage happened, the Sahaba, all of them, they definitely acquiesced. Number one. And submitted their will to the will of Allah to show that they are believing men and believing women. But the Quraysh had a field day. Right? Meaning, uh, even though they were in Mecca, they had their scouts and they had their people and their intelligence observing, monitoring what the Prophet was doing. So then they told everybody there in Mecca and all the other tribes that Muhammad has just married the divorced wife of his son. Had a field day. Right? The PR now comes in. We in America, so sensitive towards the PR that the media must not say anything against them. They don't like you anyway. Give it up. You know. Yes, don't do anything stupid to damage the image of the Prophet to damage the image of Islam and to damage yourself. Don't do anything like that. But you don't need to fall backwards and bend over backwards to please the media. That is false. That's a myth. Just be who you are, what you are, honestly, in line with the Prophet ﷺ. So, the question now was, what was the Prophet now going to do? Because when you say you want to attract people to Islam, make sure Islam is compatible with the culture. Isn't this what we all say? Islam has to be compatible. You have to explain Islam so that they appreciate what Islam is which is great, as long as you don't distort Islam. It is a good value, we should do that, but you can't distort Islam in the name of PR, or apologize to Islam in the name of PR. The Prophet married Aisha when she was nine, what are you going to do? You going to hide this fact? You going to distort it and say, no, she was 18? Uh, that ain't true. No one says she was eighteen. She was nine, period. 
How are you going to represent this idea in front of non-Muslims today? That's why you need to study. You need to listen to some of your scholars and take courses and classes before you go off mentally in your own mind. I, I, I don't agree with this. Again, the previous ayah speaks about believing men, believing women. Submitting men, submitting women. That they submit to the will of Allah. The Rasul is a role model. The Messenger of Allah is a role model. You must submit to his actions also. If anything, you should defend him and his actions instead of apologizing for him and his actions. Don't be passive. Take, you know, the, the bull from his, with his horns and from his horns. Be proactive and be aggressive about how you represent the Prophet ﷺ is a question of understanding. No, so now, the Prophet ﷺ was also sensitive. As is evident from the ayat. What will people say? Right? So Allah subhanahu reveals an ayah here. You worry about people. <laughs> worry about Allah. Worry about Allah first. And then worry about people. Because your judgment is not with people. Your judgment is with Allah. On the day of judgment, when people will not be allowed to judge, period, when only Allah will judge, you have to prepare yourself for that moment in this world. So as I said, it's easy to speak about the theory of submitting to the will of God, which Islam means. That is very difficult in real life. And the Prophet now ability to acquiesce to the will of Allah Despite everybody in the peninsula coming after him from all corners, from every quarter, every which way you can conceive of that the Arabs other than the Muslims condemned him for this act. But he stood his ground. He remained firm. And then Allah subhanahu reassured him by saying, remain firm. It's okay. This this is the lawmaker. This is the lawgiver. He is a role model. First and foremost, Zaid is not related to the Prophet ﷺ. There's no blood link. Okay? What people say and do is sometimes contextual to their culture, to their situation. It is not contextual to the law that Allah brings down. Because uh, if, if they're not related, they're not related. Why do you need to say they are related? That's a myth. So why are you building a construct and why are you building a system on something that's false? Yeah. That is incorrect. You can build a system of law which is based on the truth, the haq, but you can't build a system of law which is based on falsehood. Man and woman, if they're related by blood, they cannot marry depending on how close they are. That's a fact. Man and woman, if not related by blood, they can marry each other. And that's also a fact. So in the case of Zayd, the Prophet Sallallahu and Zayd were not related by blood. So what is the problem? There is no problem. The problem is superimposed. The problem is conceived. The problem is a ritual. And the problem is very, very tribal and cultural. It is not Islamic. And you, O Muhammad we are using to show people this is the truth and what they are saying is not the truth. So you have come to deliver the truth. That is the meat of the story. It relates to us in so many ways today as I've been trying to illustrate to you. Anyway, we'll read the ayah that it is not fitting for a believing male nor a believing female that when Allah and his Rasul decide a matter for them that they should have a decision in their matter. Right. That Allah and the Rasul have decided that you will do this whether you're male or female in that case then that rule is divine. And that is the meaning of your Islam, that Islam means you submit to the divine will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you don't have a choice in the matter afterwards, even though you may not like it. 
The question is, I don't like this rule. That's okay. I will not accept this rule. That's not okay. Right? None of us actually likes the idea of doing everything that is Islamic. Who are we kidding? Right? Unless, mashallah, alhamdulillah, you have disciplined yourself and you seasoned yourselves over the years and decades, that, okay, whatever Allah's Rasul say, I'm happy with, then you're a good Muslim, mashallah. But here in the US of A, I haven't seen a whole community of Muslims who actually like all the rules and laws of Islam. Some people do. The very few of those who say they're Muslim actually like the law. Many people say, I don't like this law. Okay, we'll tolerate that. But we won't tolerate the idea that we will not accept this as Allah's hukum. So acceptance doesn't always come with like and dislike. As to the Sahaba, the Quran says, "Kutiba alaykum al-qitalu wa lakum." The fighting in the path of Allah has been prescribed for you, even though you detest it. Kurhul lakum. That you dislike it. Meaning in the minds of the Sahaba, they did not want to kill their fathers and their brothers and their sons in the battlefield. They weren't warmongering, bloodthirsty people. They detested the idea that they would go out and kill people. But Allah says, it has been prescribed upon you, even though you detest it. It's bitter for you. So in the beginning, you may say that uh, this uh, law of God is not very compatible with my psyche. But eventually you have to acquiesce and you have to accept this Allah's hukum, Allah's law. Right. So for the believing men and for believing women, when Allah and His Rasul decide that you should do this, then they should not have a choice in the matter. You may have an opinion. But Allah's will overrides your opinion and you follow the rule and the law anyway, just as in this country you are obligated to follow the law even though we all detest most of the laws of this country. Is that true? Don't you detest most of the tax laws? You really love tax laws, don't you? I mean, when you pay your taxes, I'm very happy with the U.S. system. I love paying taxes. I'm ready to give the government all my money. No, you detest it from every blood cell and every gene in your DNA that you detest the idea of giving the government your money. But you're obligated to follow it. So that logic doesn't make any sense. So likewise in Islam, once there's a law that Allah wants you to follow, you may not like it, but you are going to follow it. Separate the two in your mind. It's very critical for the Muslims everywhere in the world, not just the U.S. Everywhere in the world, Muslims have this problem. Because I don't like it, I won't follow it. That, that means anarchy. Right? What are you seeing in the presidential elections this time around? People don't like certain things, so they will not follow them. Total anarchy. Is that what you want in your social order? Is that what you want? In any order, it's all chaos. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals hidayah, guidance in the Qur'an, so that Muslims may benefit as guidance, and take this as guidance, that although I do not like this law of Allah, I am still obligated to follow it, so you acquiesce. That acquiescence is your submission to the will of God. In the beginning is difficult, eventually becomes easier through Allah's tawfiq. That's the natural process. Don't ignore that. If you ignore it, then you'll be in trouble. Then you have a rebellious attitude towards everything in Islam. I don't agree with this Islam, this Islam, this Islam. Okay, which Islam do you want? The Islam that you say is agreeable to my nature. Okay, then find yourself another religion, brother. In fact, find yourself another God. Because there's no divine being who's going to give you everything you want in this dunya. There's no system in the world that's going to give you everything that you want in this dunya. It's not possible. 
So this is what the, the Quran is saying. وَمَنْ يَعْصِ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا مُبِينًا Whoever disobeys Allah and his Rasul, then he has definitely strayed very far away, openly from the straight path. This is not the straight path. This is the wrong path. وَإِذْ تَقُولُ لِلَّذِي أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْسِكْ عَلَيْكَ زَوْجِكَ وَاتَّقِ اللَّهِ and remember the time, meaning the story, that when you said to the one upon whom Allah showered his favor, and upon whom you showed your favor, meaning Zayd, you told Zayd, Amsik alayka zawjak, that keep your wife, don't divorce her. This is what the Prophet said to Zayd in his mashwara, his suggestion to him, that remain married. Allah favored Zayd not only through being the adopted son of the Prophet but also Islam and how you favored him and how you raised him. You took him on to be your son and you raised him in your household and you treated him like your own son. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a favor. Meaning, even through the, the, the terms of this world, there are favors. There's a ni'mah. So Allah's ni'mah on Zayd with Islam, Allah's ni'mah on Zayd by being the company of the Prophet and the Prophet's ni'mah and blessing on Zayd himself by taking him on as a family member is respected by Allah. Allah respects us that you favor each other and you favor people by raising them, by helping them, by supporting them. This is a ni'mah. So Zayd was blessed in so many ways through this ni'mah of Allah and through this ni'mah of the Prophet Wasallam. And as a, as a suggestion through that prism, if you want to see life through that lens, then maybe perhaps Zayd would have been better served had he just taken your advice and kept his wife. But it didn't happen. Meaning, there's another rule here, that not every suggestion of the Prophet was binding on the Sahaba until it became hukum and law. The Prophet did not impose his suggestions on his people. And this is an adab that we must respect also. Then he said to him, Allah, fear Allah, be mindful of your duty towards Allah meaning take care of your wife, is there something you are doing wrong in your marriage, then fear Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Prophet sallallahu And you are suppressing within yourself, you are hiding in yourself what Allah was about to bring out. Meaning eventually, your inclination towards Zainab was Brought out by Allah's changing your heart towards her. He was latent. He was hidden there. He didn't know of it until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought it out. And then eventually you thought that uh, it would not serve the cause of Islam. And you were apprehensive about people and their reaction if you were to marry Zainab. This is a reality, meaning that the Prophet ﷺ was also sensitive towards these issues of PR and how to manage his image and the image of Islam and Muslims in front of people. But when it comes to the hukum of Allah, you don't have a choice. Even as a Nabi, you don't have a choice. Allah wants you to do it, finish class, that's the end of the story. You do it. Because you are a Rasul, you represent Allah on earth. Meaning... The Prophet ﷺ would have gladly not married Zainab in order to protect Islam and himself and the Muslims from the repercussions of his act. Allah and his deen always came first for the Prophet ﷺ. But here Allah says that's not the point. The point is you represent Allah on earth and you represent the law. And as a lawmaker and lawgiver, sometimes you have to demonstrate the law through your actions. And this is what we want you to do. Allah is much more worthy of being feared than the repercussions 
that might happen, might not happen from people. Right? This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now representing and demonstrating that the Rasul of Allah is there to show you what is halal and what is haram. He is not there to entertain you. And he is not there simply to please you. Even though he was the most pleasant person on the planet. Uh, even though he is the most charismatic person on the planet. He is not there to simply say to you, yes, this tribal ritual is good. And this societal value is good. And this cultural phenomenon is good. He's not there to do that. He's there to show you what Allah wants. And sometimes what Allah wants is difficult to demonstrate. Even for the Nabi. And especially for the Ummah of Muhammad Wasallam. This is the biggest lesson we take from this story and from these ayat. When Zayd fulfilled his need and due from her, with her, we married you to her. We married you to her. Number of points here. One is that it is not haram if your marriage is now at a very, very dead end. It may not have been the case of Zainab and Zaid as the Prophet suggested. Right. That they perhaps could have made it had they followed the suggestion of the Prophet, which is evident from the eye. Number one. Number two. If Islam has allowed this safety valve in a marriage, which is called divorce, then that is also halal. Not look down upon it. And number three, that when women do get divorced, that should not be a stigma against them, that they are divorced. And others should not marry the divorced woman, as it is in some other cultures in the world. However, divorce remains the most despised halal uh, object or thing of value in Islam. Abghatul halal indullah talaq. That if something is halal and is despised, it is talaq, it is divorce. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want people simply to say divorce because it hasn't worked in a week. Nowadays these uh, young people say marriage is overrated, it doesn't work. Why doesn't work? I've been married a week, it hasn't worked. MashaAllah. Have you tried merging two companies together and have you made billions of dollars and have you tried that merging and that marriage? It will take you three months, six months, a year. To just, why don't you just be capitalistic about the whole thing? And say, it takes time to merge. Even that, a week. I kid you not. You know, we, sometimes three days. Hasn't happened yet. We're not clicking. Then they got divorced. And then they go through the pain of the state divorce, which takes at least six months to kick in. And the judge will say, you haven't tried to reconciliate. You go, go back to the drawing board, reconciliate. And the judge won't give you this prerogative simply say, you are divorcing the state. Even the judges know better. Right? So divorce should not be the first that comes to mind when you have a disagreement. Or when you have a fight. Or when you say it's not working. Why is it working? There's something in you and something in her. Or something in you and something in him. Work it out. It's too painful. Well, welcome to life. Your mother gave birth to you. Ask her how painful that was. Welcome to life. Pain. Accompanies life. From the first, second, in fact, few months before that. Ask your mother. And then ask your father, how painful is it to raise you? All that money. All those anxieties and fears. And when you're a teenager, Allah, Allah, Allah. The parents today is not working. I can't take care of this kid anymore. So what people do, they leave the kid in hospitals, on the doors of churches, on the streets. And sometimes they throw them out the window. He's not working. He's not clicking. You understand the psyche, the mindset. 
So now, if couples in this country, Muslims in this country, anywhere in the world today, if they feel that marriage is going to be a rose garden, and a piece of cake, they got another thought coming. Allah teaches you humbleness, humility. That it's your arrogance that's stopping you from making the marriage work. Get off your high horse and submit to the idea that we both have to work at it. It's going to take time. When a human being is born, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't allow the human being to be upright straight and start running, you know, the marathon. Unlike other animals. When a horse is born, when the horse is baby, what does it do? It starts running on its four feet. So are you a human being or are you an animal? When you're a human being, it takes you time to do what? Lie on your back by yourself. To raise your neck, never mind walk and run. When a human being takes you time to roll on your back, to crawl, and then to stand, and then to gingerly walk, and you fall down, and you stand up, you fall down, and you stand up, you, you fall and you stand, you fall and you stand. This is life. It's not a fantasy. So unless we give our children this orientation that when you get married, if you have problems, divorce is not the solution. That is a cop-out. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, Abghadul halal in the Allah The most despised halal in the eyes of Allah is divorce. Most despised. is halal as a safety valve. At the end of the road where nothing is apparently working. And even that time there are rules for divorce that you must follow. It's not whatever comes to your mind. I don't believe in this rule. I don't believe in this law. I don't believe this Islamic. Why? It doesn't jive with the culture. It doesn't jive with the system. Okay, what does jive with this culture and system? Nothing jives with this culture and system. Whatever feels good is good. So the Quran is now giving us instruction through this story of Zayd and Zainab. That this is life. What was the Prophet's suggestion to say? Amsik alaykazod. Keeper. Zayd and Zainab, both of them said, that's wonderful, but it's not working. They got divorced. When they got divorced, now Islam didn't say to them that both of you are wrong and both of you are going to hell. It happened. There's no taboo there. There's no stigma. You carry on with your life. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet you are now going to marry her. Even though it's taboo. What I'm saying is that it was not a pleasant moment in the life of the Prophet. If you twist the story the other way and say or some other people who are not Muslims say that he was a woman crazy. He wanted to marry everybody, even the divorced daughter-in-law. Quraysh was saying, so we say she was not the divorced daughter-in-law. She was not the daughter-in-law. Number one. Number two, even if she is divorced, it's not taboo to marry a divorced woman. So you see now the, the wisdom in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing through the Prophet the institution of Nabuwa yeah, is so holy and sanctified that we can't even conceive of the wisdom that is there already. Never mind create another system of wisdom through the Nabuwa of the Prophet, which is what the next few ayat will speak of. The institution of the Nabuwa, uh, the seal of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, that he is going to represent Allah for eternity. So now, if there is a culture, system, or civilization where divorce is taboo, they should follow the lead of the Prophet because uh, he did not shy away from marrying a divorced woman. Follow his lead. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't look down upon it as, as is very evident in many cultures, including some Muslim, Pakistan Muslims, they don't like the idea. Number one. Number two, that if Allah says this is halal, then it's halal. 
they'll make haram. This is the institution of the Prophet And number three, the marriage of uh, the Prophet to Zainab was officiated by none other than Allah himself. Who did the nikah? Zawajnaakaha. Read the Quran. Zawajnaakaha. We married you to her and Zainab later on used to boast about this in front of other women. That your nikah was done on earth. My nikah was done in the heavens. Right? When Allah marries the Prophet to someone, that someone must be special. No doubt. So Zainab said that your nikah was done on earth. My nikah was done where? By Allah in the heavens. Zawajnaka is a matter of honor. See how honorable Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this act. It is not dishonorable. So, as we say, Allah flipped the paradigm. The Prophet inverted the paradigm in front of the community society and say, what you're thinking is a myth and what I'm doing is the truth and reality. Follow the truth and reality. Let go of your myth. Right. Now, what is the honor of Zayd? Allah has already said, he's not your son, but he's close to you. What's the fadilah of Zayd? What's the honor of Zayd? In the Quran, the only name of any Sahabi that's mentioned is whose? Zayd. No Abu Bakr, no Omar, no Uthman, no Ali. None of his daughters are mentioned. But Allah said now to Zayd, that look, even though you are not the adopted son of the Prophet your name will be recited forever, eternally. So whenever you read the word Zayd, who do you think of? There's only one Zayd. So Allah honored both Zayd and Zainab. Do you see the glory in what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying? The honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave both to Zayd and to Zainab. Zainab's name is not mentioned, but the act of marrying the Prophet is mentioned. So we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he chooses people to represent his law, he honors them. He doesn't condemn them. A lesson for Muslims, when you see people representing the law of Allah in a good way, in the correct way, you must honor them also and not look down upon them because certain people may not see what you see. Go with that. Allah will make you honorable, inshallah. Why did we marry you to her? So that there would be no constraint upon any believer to marry the wives of their adopted sons after they have fulfilled their need with them, meaning there is no more they could do to sustain their marriage and Allah's will will always be done. Allah's amr, Allah's hukum, Allah's command will always be done. Maf'ula. Kana maf'ula. The felnaqis for the eternal means. It has always been done and it will always be done. This is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses uh, the Prophet to represent him and his law on earth and then the two other parties who were part of this choice are also honored in a very honorable, dignified way in these two ayats so that we get the lesson that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he chooses people to represent his law they will always be honorable and honored this is the biggest lesson we must take from this story all the other peripheral discussions about how the Quraysh saw this and what kind of PR is this and what kind of ruling is this they are not even secondary What's primary is how you read this ayah 
according to how the Prophet saw the ayah, how the Sahaba saw this ayah. So now, when the Sahaba are reading this ayah in front of the Prophet, or they're listening to the ayah the first time, what are they amazed about? That Allah has mentioned Zayd by name. And Allah has mentioned the fact that Allah married the Prophet to Zaynab himself. That's what they saw. They didn't see the repercussions of the act. What did they see? They see what comes first. What comes first is honor, dignity, nobility in the people who submitted to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the lesson we must take, meaning guidance from the Qur'an instead of trying to appease everybody around us. When you start off by trying to appease everybody around you, the Qur'an no longer is guidance for you because you're worried about others. You're not worried about how you see it. Right? That's a secondary step. How you represent the truth, that is secondary. What is the truth? That's primary. Understand the truth first. Learn the truth first. Then you figure out a way to represent it in the community around you. That takes time also. It doesn't happen overnight. And I'm not something that you're going to read in your Time magazine. It's something you have to work for. If you want to represent Islam, then work for it. Don't just use your logic or your understanding of this society. Work at it. Take some courses and classes. Seek advice. Seek counsel. Allah will help you because all the guidance is right here in front of us. We make dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the tawfiq to do what pleases him the most in this world and keeps us on the straight path until the day we die. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Sallallahu ta'ala khayr khilqi muhammadi wa alayhi wa sahabi alameen.